Thank you, Pierre. Uh, it gives me great pleasure to welcome Mike Collier, CEO, CEO at Foundry. Uh, thanks for joining us, Mike. Yeah, absolutely, Paul. Glad to be here. Great. So uh, Foundry is actually established recently or about a year ago, um, and it's um, under the uh, DCG, Dis Digital Currency Group uh, banner. Just, just for our viewers that uh, might not be familiar or so familiar with uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum mining, uh, probably heard about it, but don't necessarily understand the mechanics. Um, you know, it's, it's grown out of uh, literally people's bedrooms uh, eight or nine years ago into a multi-billion dollar industrial business that's uh, in some people's eyes is consuming too much energy. Um, and, you know, the actual demand uh, that that network kind of creates uh, in terms of that energy cost um, is really a direct function of, of the price of Bitcoin or Ethereum. The higher the price goes up, then more profitable miner, miners can become. Um, and uh, then that kind of attracts more miners into the network and, and those guys need to finance hardware. So, you know, Foundry was, was established with this in mind, looking at the infrastructure uh, and not only on Bitcoin mining and proof of work mining, but with Ethereum moving over to proof of stake in the near future, um, you know, there's a whole load more infrastructure to support there. And uh, DCG as a company has a whole bunch of portfolio companies and, and clients that probably have an interest in this area. So, so with that in mind, Mike, can you just kind of give us a little, uh, little preview on why, um, you know, DCG set up the company and, and you joined as their CEO um, and what opportunities you're spotting? Yeah, sure. Um, it's great to be here and excited to, you know, talk to your audience and share kind of our vision of, of where the future is going. Uh, so about, um, so I've been in the mining space for about three years. You know, my, I spent 20 plus years of my career in kind of what I call the old world manufacturing distribution. I, I was a hired gun in the private equity space and about three years ago, jumped into uh, the crypto markets and um, fell in love with the mining aspect of it because I really felt like we had to build out the infrastructure before this could really scale. Mm -hmm. And uh, it reminded me of the start of the internet back in in uh, the early 90s. I was in college uh, when like Netscape came out and it was just felt like this solves a lot of stuff that that couldn't be solved with the current technology. So uh, I kind of dove into the mining part of the world and, um, and uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, I got a call from Barry um, asking to um, come on board to run their uh, new business called Boundary. And um, DCG had avoided the mining space really for, for the last, you know, six, seven years. Um, it was really kind of the wild, wild west, and it just seemed like a tough place to, to do business. And then about a year and a half ago, Barry went to buy some machines to mine an algorithm and, and realized that it was still, you know, the wild, wild west. And it was one of these moments where he said, you know what, it's time. It's such an important part of the, of the overall ecosystem that it was time to, to, for DCG to get involved. And, uh, and it's been great. It's been you know, a wild 12 months. Um, he basically gave me a white sheet of paper and said, all right, figure out where we can leverage the DCG balance sheet, its brand, its um, portfolio companies, and where can we add the most value in the mining ecosystem? And we're really focused on uh, proof of work and proof of stake. And, um, you know, we, we've, we firmly believe that 
more institutional players are going to be coming to this space. They're going to start recognizing the opportunity. And we wanted uh, to help provide solutions to make that transition happen even faster. And uh, we're looking at really how do we grow hash rate in North America um, to continue to decentralize this Bitcoin network um, throughout the world. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. I mean, uh, I recall at our early Coin Scrum events back in 2013, we used to uh, give the audience a demo of how to build a home miner using a milk crate and uh, a GPU. Um, and it's changed a lot, I guess, since then. So, <laughs> yeah. So even, and it's amazing how fast the field evolves, right? So when I started in, in the middle of 2017, uh, we grew like a, a mining facility from one megawatt to three megawatts, which seemed like this enormous um, project at the time. And, uh, and now we're looking at sites that literally have a hundred megawatts worth of machines on them. And that's what people are planning for going forward. And it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think to that point, you know, a hundred megawatts, I don't know if anyone's seen you know, a, a facility of that size, but you know, I, I visited a couple and uh, or getting toward not even that size, but you know, uh, maybe a third of that size. And uh, it's, it's kind of, uh, yeah, it's some serious infrastructure that needs to be built out. You know, if you're gonna have more 100 mega or uh, megawatt facilities, that's a huge amount of uh, a capital that's required to fill that. And as I mentioned earlier, if the price of Bitcoin keeps going up, that's just gonna be pulling in a demand for more capital. Um, because the profit incentive is going to be there. So, so maybe we can touch on like, you know, as, as you've entered into this market over the last year, um, I, I assume there's definitely demand, you know, the miners will definitely want to kind of, you know, um, you know finance the, their, their infrastructure on debt. So who, who, can you kind of give a profile of the typical client you're speaking to, the jurisdictions and what you feel the size of the addressable market currently is? Yeah, so a couple, a couple items when we got we looked at this blank sheet of paper and said, where can we add value? Um, we wanted to bring more hash rate into North America. And, you know, all the machines are manufactured in China. It's difficult to get to the front of the line to, to get the latest and greatest. Uh, so we decided that we could provide, we wanted, we wanted to help miners in North America, right? So, um, so what we want to do is provide the capital to them so they could get to the front of the line first to get the machines so they can grow their hash rate, right? So we're going through this technology shift, right? The newest miners are out. They're much more efficient than the old miners and everyone has to upgrade. And um, so when we, we started looking at it, we said, hey, well, let's, let's build a business around equipment financing and using the equipment as collateral, uh, which has been uh, a huge success. Uh, we also provide, we also mine ourselves. So we have our own fleet of machines. We have them, we don't have our own facilities today. Uh, what we do is we partner with, you know, trusted um, host providers throughout North America uh, where we can develop a relationship and we've got skin in the game, right? So as we work with other people that want equipment financing, we say, look, we're using the same machines. We understand the market dynamics. We understand you know, the, the risks here, uh, we're participating with you in this process. Uh, and then we provide advisory services to folks. So as more um, institutional money, as people like to say, come into the space, we can help them navigate the pitfalls of mining, right? Like it, you only have to make a couple of mistakes to, to lose your investment. Mm -hmm. But if you 
if you get a, if you get many of the key points correct, it, it's a great business. Sure. Um, so and, we're, oh, go ahead. No, so I was, I was just going to ask, come back to that. I mean, so you're focusing on North America and, uh, you know, again, back to the Wild West um, point earlier, um, you know, how have you seen the market change? And, you know, if you're lending money, to, even if it's secured against their hardware, if you're lending money to people, then, you know, your kind of due diligence process needs to be good. Um, and how have you seen that changed? And what are your criteria if you're going to be engaging with people? Yeah, so it's a great point. Um, and there's, there's, uh, I, I, so for us, we're very careful on who the end miner is, right? So we want to work with folks that understand the risk of the space, that have some experience in it. We're also very particular in terms of where the machines are located because the installation of those machines, the timely installation of those machines, as well as keeping them up and running is critical uh, and the underlying cost for running them. And then we only um, work with particular uh, machines. So we're only doing new generation machines. We've right now been focused on Bitmain and MicroBT because mm -hmm. they've got the best equipment available out there. Um, so we're, we're very selective in terms of who we're willing to work with. And we typically, you know, have a lower limit of about a million dollars. So we're not doing sm smaller deals. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in terms of the, how big we'll go, it will go as big as, you know, the credit of the counterparty will allow us to go. Sure. You know, so it, these are big projects. They require a lot of capital. Uh, but we've, you know, we've got very strong relationships with MicroBT and Bitmain. We've worked really close with them to secure supply of machines. Um, I think that's probably the biggest thing that's different today versus maybe the last cycle is there, there's a, there's a limit on the wafer production today, mm -hmm. yeah. um, which is changing the dynamics a little bit. And I think will change the dynamics at least for the next six months. Mm -hmm. where Samsung and TSMC just are not giving the same allocation as they have in the past. So for the best performing machines, there's a limited supply and it's really hard to get your hands on them. Yeah, I saw, I saw a note that um, there's a six month wait or, or, or you know, if you, if you don't have your orders in, uh, you're not getting anything uh, before April next year now. Yeah, that's, a, that's exactly it. Um, both MicroPT and Bitmain for their best units are pretty much sold out through April. And look at the, Last time I checked, Bitcoin price continues to go up. So yeah. the, uh, the, there's even more and more demand. And it's a, this is what, part of what makes the, the industry difficult is you have to place your bet six months ahead of time. Mm -hmm. You have to put your money down six months ahead of time. And there's a, lot, there's a lot of risk with that, right? You hope that the equipment manufacturers will honor your order. You hope mm -hmm. that they ship on time. And then you hope that they get installed um, on time. Uh, and I think that's one of the different things right now in the cycle is there's actually been a lot of capacity um, built out in North America over the last three years. So we were kind of late to the game, I would say, in terms of building out large-scale mining facilities. But 2018, 2019, and 2020, there's been a lot of construction built. Um, so there's there's a lot of space available for, for equipment. And now they're just, there isn't a lot of equipment out yeah. there. Well, I guess, I mean, you know, I mean, people try and kind of use analogies against, um, you know, commodities mining, physical commodities mining anyway. Um, and I guess, you know, from the miners perspective, 
yes, there's a time to go and buy new hardware, especially if it's new generation and you're going to get kind of major improvement in efficiencies and mine more Bitcoin. But I guess there's time and only time, I guess we'll factor or, or learn this over time that there's, there's times to step back and just maybe just invest in actually building the infrastructure because the other, you know, you might have a wait time on getting your delivery of new hardware, but also if you want to go and build a hundred megawatt facility, that doesn't happen overnight. You know, you've got, you, you know, six or nine months or whatever, at a very minimum, if you're prepared to go and build that out. Yeah, I think one of the key things is absolutely understanding the cycle of, of the mining industry. And it goes through a cycle, just like any commodities type mining goes through cycles. I think our cycle is much faster than the other cycles. So you have to be like, like you have to be quick. Um, and just like commodities, I think a lot of times you have to bet counter cyclical too. Mm. So in January of this year, when all the online mining calculators said it was not a good time to buy machines, uh, we placed enormous bets on procuring equipment. And that equipment wasn't going to arrive until May. Um, but we bought a lot of, we bought a lot of machines. I mean, we have, we have deployed over a hundred million dollars into North American mining ecosystem. Wow. And, um, we, you know, we had, we had the latest generation of machines plugged in, in, in May mm -hmm. and we've been mining with them since May. And those machines are worth more today than they were when we bought them. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't know how people don't think mining is a good investment. It's been mm -hmm. a great investment and it's going to continue to be a great investment for the next, you know, 18 to 24 months. So just, um, just back to just interested in terms of, you know, your financing firms and to the tune of a hundred million dollars so far. And then you, you mentioned your relationship and your orders you've made directly with the, um, uh, with the manufacturers. How are the, these loans structured? Are you kind of bringing them onto your balance sheet and then leasing them out? Or are you actually directly uh, lending to, to companies and to manage the relationships? Yeah, so today our, our equipment financing, we use the equipment as um, the collateral. Mm -hmm. uh, we require the customers to put some skin in the game, so typically 20% down. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll finance equipment for 12 to 18 months. With, and the idea is, hey, get the equipment, get it plugged in, and let the equipment pay for itself. Um, and that's, um, that's been our um, strategy from the, from the very beginning, and I think it's been you know, very miner friendly, right? We're miners, we understand it. We understand how the, the system works and, and we're um, trying to create products that work well for miners. Um, I mean, um, I, well, I mean, one thing I've thought about because uh, you know, I mentioned much earlier in the conversation that up until now, you know, early miners kind of who kept hold of their Bitcoins, some of them didn't and they failed early on and the right strategy was to hold the Bitcoins. Maybe that was right then and it's not so right now. Um, but, you know, those companies or firms that have survived managed to kind of you know fund their future expansions on retained earnings or maybe having to as i said you know raise some capital uh giving away equity in their company um do you think that financing uh because obviously there's probably some other firms that are, that are looking at this as well and getting into the market because there's going to be probably enough demand for for everyone or a few people to come in and service these needs do you think there's a risk around um Effectively, you know, if you're offering up financing on hardware, I mean, no miner is going to say no if they can basically get into the market quicker. Do you think there's any risks around kind of, you know, front-loading the hash rate into the market, if, if, if you like, you know, 
If other people are borrowing all around and then all of a sudden more hardware is coming online than can maintain profitability for everyone, because if everyone comes online, then, you know, with the dynamics and economics of Bitcoin mining, everyone's profits will get squeezed. Do you see that as a risk? You know, I, I think because this market goes through these, these cycles, um, there will definitely be points in time where it'll be overheated. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's exactly what we'll see, right? Mm-hmm. We kind of went through that in, you know, the end of 2017, early 18. That, that dynamic was a little different because um, the manufacturers were delayed in shipping their, their hardware. It, there was a delay because there was no place to plug in the hardware. So a lot of people waited. So you, you kind of saw like hash rate grow a lot after Bitcoin price was coming down because yeah. the orders have been placed six months prior. Mm-hmm. In today's market right now, the, the limiting factor is really the wafer production mm-hmm. as far as we can see. So there just isn't, I, I, I agree with your premise. If there was unlimited amounts of machines and then we had this debt financing available, we would see hash rate growing at a much, much faster rate. Mm-hmm. Today, you just can't buy the machines. Yeah. yeah. Um, so maybe two years from now, that will be the case when they've got a bigger wafer allocation and mm-hmm. there's more machines available. Can debt financing kind of overheat it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but today, it's a great way to um, secure equipment mm-hmm. and, um, and, and grow, your, grow your mining facility faster. Sure. Cool. Well, I think we could talk about uh, uh, proof yeah, of work all day. All day we could, but look, we, uh, I mean, another area that, that you're looking at and um, you know, we, we've seen a few networks come online in the last couple of years that are, uh, you know, have, have started experimenting with the idea of proof of stake, which is far more energy efficient, um, you know, open debate about the long run and uh, that it's got to prove itself in the wild in terms of security, but things have been working so far. So in terms of uh, what you're looking at in, in, in the staking side of the market or what's your plans there and um you know what are you doing uh for people that are looking for exposure there yeah so in the last 12 months we've we've built um we continue to build out our team right so i think we're we're up to about 14 people now so we've been growing um pretty quickly uh part of the team's focused on proof of work the other parts focused on proof of stake uh to be honest that wasn't a big strong suit of mine like i'd spent most of my three years on the proof of work side so the last 12 months i've been like reading and soaking up as much as i can on the proof of stake and so a couple takeaways from that um one is a lot of these projects have been around for a while right they were announced back in 2017 and what i I don't think people realize is for the last three years, even though we went through like crypto winter, these teams have been building and they're all getting ready to launch now mm-hmm. um, their networks, yeah. um, which is really exciting. And I, I don't think a lot of people appreciate how much work has been done around, around some of these. And we just saw like Filecoin go live mm-hmm. finally. Um, there's lots of those examples and Kind of our job is to be the infrastructure provider for DCG, for DCG portfolio companies. Um, so we're, and, and, and by the way, other institutional investors that want to get involved in proof of stake, mm-hmm. they're not going to want to um, do the hard work of learning how to do the actual staking and the infrastructure of that. So that's what we're doing. We're building out that expertise. We're building out that infrastructure so we can provide those services to others. Mm-hmm. And, um, there's, there's a lot to learn. It's still, 
I don't know, maybe it's like Bitcoin mining in 2012, you know, mm -hmm. like it's still very early, early stages. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we're probably it's here, it's here to stay. It's not yeah, going no, away. absolutely. It's but I mean, again, as a company, as Digital Currency Group, um, you know, you are, again, within that portfolio, you've got Grayscale, you've got Genesis. These guys are dealing directly with institutional investors. Um, and in the current environment around the world, um, of pretty much zero, if you're lucky, if it's zero interest rates, if you're, they've not gone negative, then, you know, I mean, if we leave maybe DeFi aside for now, but just the idea that the staking is kind of a yield generating instrument, you know, what are you seeing in conversations with that type of client? Are they like, well, you know, if I can go and earn six, 7% by staking Ethereum, if I hedge my Ethereum position properly, I mean, that's a great yield compared to anything else I get. Do you see, you know, is, is interest building around that or people understanding that? People are just starting to understand Bitcoin right. and the rest of the world, right? Like yeah. sometimes I feel we get so, I feel like I'm, I'm in this like echo chamber of the, of the crypto Twitter verse, right? Where we're all so familiar with what's happening and the rest of the world, like my neighbors still don't understand it. You know, they, <laughs> um, so we are at the very early stages, but I, it's happening fast. And I agree with you. People are going to be looking for yield and, there's some really good solutions out there to, to, to get some, some yield. By the way, I, we didn't talk about this earlier, but I think Bitcoin mining is essentially a yield product. Yeah. And it, I, almost, I view it as like a utility. Like you should, if you're getting into Bitcoin mining, think you're going to get rich, you should just go buy Bitcoin. It's way yeah. easier. Um, but I do think if you manage it properly, it becomes, uh, you kind of get a dividend from, from the mining. <laughs> Absolutely. on a regular basis. And I think there's going to be other options with proof of stake to do the same thing. Completely. Uh, I think exactly that it's infrastructure at the end of the day. I've kind of used that analogy over the years. Um, you know, that's how you know, look, volatility and people that say, well, these things are too volatile, you know, as these things become more prevalent and more widely adopted, then volatile volatility will decrease. It won't disappear completely, but absolutely. If, if, if these networks become, um, essential for commerce in our everyday lives, then they're pipes at the end of the day, you know, yep. someone had to go and build pipes to, to, you know, so we got water in our homes and build kind of, you know, um, you know, electricity grids. So we got electricity pipes into our home. If, uh, you know, if the, the monetary function and that service, is essential to everyone's and their co everyone and, and, and commerce in general, then, you know, exactly that's what it is. It's a utility function. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Mike, look, it's, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. I could carry on for, for a lot longer, but uh, what would be good is that we can just invite you back for some updates uh, further down the line. It'd be lovely to have you back on the show. Thanks. For yeah, ab absolutely. Thanks for the invite, Paul. It's been, it's been great. Thanks, Mike.